What's up, party people? Uh, I'm going to give you a quick update of what we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to jump right into the episode. So I'm going to give you guys an update on my running program. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I've been posting a lot of that stuff, and then also trying to get a little group together for accountability, try and help people with some fitness goals, um, running goals, anything like that. We're going to talk about Bryce Harper signing. So I mentioned last week where I thought he was going to go, where I where I wanted him to go, and then what happened. Jason Witten coming out of uh, retirement, leaving Monday Night Football, going back to the Cowboys. We're going to talk about some notable players as well that have come out of retirement that have had success after retiring. Uh, went to uh, Charlotte Checkers hockey game last night with the family, so I'm going to talk about that. Some upsets in college basketball yesterday that I thought were um, made for an exciting Saturday. And then finally, I'm going to end with an article that I saw about Orange Theory. If anybody knows about that gym um, and how it's all set up, uh, pretty interesting um, concept. And so I'm going to talk about that, and we're going to wrap up from there. So hope you enjoy. Welcome to Two Cents Worth. As always, I'm your host, Ryan DeFaber. So, first thing I want to talk about is the running program that I uh, have been following. So, it's an eight-week program, um, Lee, in it, w- which I've talked about before, and it ends with you running a 10K race. So, again, the goal was never to run an actual 10K race to go and sign up for one, but it was something to have an end goal for. So, a lot of times in... In the way that I approach um, my fitness goals, or well, no, mostly my fitness goals. Let's not talk about you know personal or anything else like that. Let's talk about just fitness goals in general. Is to have an end to something, some something to work towards. So for this one, it was an eight-week running program, which on top of that, I'm also doing a twelve-week lifting program. So you know, I have something to work towards and it's not just a continuous program over and over and over again, because especially in when, when it comes to working out, losing interest and it becoming mundane can creep in 12 weeks still is even a long time. A three month program for lifting is, um, can get a little, you know, flat at times and, and not the most exciting. So when it came to running, which is not something I'm a huge fan of. I'm, I'm starting to learn to like it a little more, you know, day over day, especially when I'm seeing uh, the progress that I'm making and the fact that I'm able to um, run at a certain pace and whatnot, which has been really helpful in certain distances that I just really hadn't been doing before um, on a consistent basis was, you know, getting to that program of something that was going to be able to keep me interested. And so I found this program online. Anyway, it's just a 10 or 8-week beginner beginner or intermediate. I can't remember what it is. I think it's beginner uh, or intermediate. Yeah, I think it's intermediate. Intermediate 10K training program. So again, I'm not trying. At the end of the 10 weeks, I will go out on a Saturday and run a 10K around my uh, where, where I live and around my area. But I'm not entering in a race. But 
the point of the whole program was to get me to start doing a different type of cardio and have a different set of goals on top of my lifting goals. And um, just seeing some really good results so far. So I'm really pleased with it. If anyone's interested in, in being a part of uh, a group that we can keep each other motivated and uh, accountable for, hit me up. I, I put a couple stories on my Instagram uh, yesterday, which would be Saturday, uh, after my run, as I'm walking home, doing my cool down, uh, about that, about putting together a small little group or a large group, whatever it might be, um, to just keep each other motivated around your fitness goals or running or cardio or whatever it might be. So if you are interested in that, you can find me on Instagram at two cents worth podcast, or you can email me two cents worth podcast at gmail.com. If you don't follow me on Instagram. Um, and also on Facebook, there's two cents worth podcast on Facebook as well that you could find me at. Um, and let me know if you're interested in that and we can put together a little small group and just keep each other motivated and share our goals, whatever it might be. Just create a little bit of a community, um, you know, with the small platform that I do have. I think it is important to make sure that you have people around you that are supporting you and not trying to question what you're doing or tear you down or not be that supportive. I want, um, I'm a true believer, especially when it comes to fitness, because I've, after leaving college and being a collegiate athlete, struggling to find that rhythm again of what we did, um, as kids basically and now you know i'm a, an adult with family and kids and everything kind of getting that motivation back to be that type of athlete that i was before i don't ex ever expect to go back to that type of person but uh because uh, you know i'm not 18 anymore but um you know to to have some type of motivation to stay healthy outside of just my family and you know when you have a small group of people around you that support you or a large group, again, it doesn't have to be a small group. When you have a group of people around you that support you, that goes a long way. So um, I really think it's important. I have that that right now, uh, but I certainly would like to have – I wouldn't shy away from getting more people that would support um, my goals around fitness and health and as well as yours. So if you're interested, hit me up. Let me know. That's the update on that. Uh, four and a half miles was the long run yesterday. I did that in 33.50, so seven and a half minute mile pace is what I was at. So I'm really pleased with that, that I've been kind of sticking around that seven and a half to 7.45 pace for miles. I think that's pretty good. I think I'm pretty pleased with that, especially considering that uh, outside of about three, four weeks ago, I hadn't been running and I hadn't run in a long time. Months had gone by, so... I was really happy with my progress so far and, and where we're at. So this week, um, I think the Saturday, which is Saturday is always the long run. Saturday's long run is five miles. So it'll be the longest I've run since I ran a 10K a few years ago. Um, so the the one thing I was telling Lindsay, my wife, is um, the one thing I've been kind of enjoying as I get towards these longer runs because during the week I do a, it it makes you do like a three mile run and a two and a half mile run or a three and a two mile run as your two runs leading up to your long run and there's so many loops or routes that I can do around the neighborhood or around the area that I can get that two or three miles pretty easily but when it comes to like a four and a half or a five mile run you, I kind of have to look at the map and see where I can go and what would actually get me to that 
um, which I think has been kind of cool. It creates that excitement of knowing, you know, where you're going to go and run and knowing that, you know, that what is going to get you to that end point of that, that mileage. So, um, it's small things just, um, keeping you motivated. And that's one of them is kind of planning my route has been a motivator going into a Saturday. And even on a Saturday morning, like yesterday morning, I was like, all right, if I go out here and do this and go around here and Lindsay's been doing running for her entire life and, you know, and, and outside of this past year where she has an injury. So I'm trying to share with her like where I'm going to go and will that get me to the, that, that mileage. And she's trying to tell me, yes, you know, where you got, you're going to have to add this portion to it and then come back. And I was like, it's kind of cool to have that um, that thought process and, and knowing where I'm going to have to go to get to it. And while you're running it, knowing, okay, I've accomplished mile one, mile two, mile three. So now I'm, I know where I'm at now I'm, and I have my Garmin on and I'm wearing it because I'm, I'm monitoring everything, which we're going to get to later on about uh, everyone's current obsession in fitness around uh always monitoring and tracking everything so i'm tracking my miles on my my wrist right and then it's connected to apps on my phone um and then i'm feeling it. i'm i don't i don't like looking at it because what i don't like to do is see the time that i'm at i'd rather just kind of feel my body out and be like okay can i do this pace and you can once you start running for a while you kind of can figure out you know what your pace is currently at and what speed you need to be at. So I knew like right out the gate when I started running yesterday, I was like, this pace is probably between 7.30 to 8 minutes, right? I mean, I'm not going to have it in exact science. And the first mile was 7.30. And the second mile was like 7.30. And the third mile was 7.30. So like you kept that, I kind of just kept that that stride and that pace going. Uh, so I don't really like to look at my watch to see where I'm at. It's just the vibration. So when it vibrates once, obviously I know I've had a first mile and that second vibration is two miles and three. And then the whole time you're playing a mental game, especially when it comes to cardio and running and everything. That's like the biggest thing is your mind will, will mess with you the most. Your body is fine, right? It, but it's always your mind going, stop, just stop. You don't need to do this. Don't stop. Right. That always creeps in. So for me to counteract that, I sit there and I just go, I know that I'm not going to look at this watch and try and, ch- and, try and cheat myself and knowing how much time I have or, or how far I've gone until I feel that fourth vibration because then it's four miles. So then from there, mentally then I can check myself kind of back in and say, okay, now I only have a half a mile. And for me, I know in my in my for my house to the end of my neighborhood is a half a mile. So I know that distance, right? Pretty good distance. I have an understanding of that distance, not pretty good distance, but I have an understanding of that distance. So then when I felt that fourth vibration is when I finally pulled my sleeve up and looked at my watch and I was like, okay, four miles. And where was I? And where was it going to get me to get to four and a half miles? So, um, that's some, that's something that I do to face that um, mental block of going, oh man, constantly looking at your phone and then, or your watch, sorry, for me, and looking down and being like, oh my God, I'm only two and a half miles in. I still have two more miles to go. Or, you know, as I continue to get higher and higher, oh my God, I have another three miles to go. I just kind of blank out of that, take in what's around me, listen to my music, kind of just check myself out, try and not hear myself mentally of going, 
Oh, you know, when's it's when's you're risking a vibrate again? Oh my God, I, I, you have to have you've had to have run more than two miles. Look at look at your watch. Look at your watch. I just kind of get into that zone and know that 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 thing is going to vibrate on my wrist. I have it tight enough on my wrist that I'm going to feel it. So for me, that's just a little tr- trick that I do for the mental aspect of it. I'm sure there's some other things that people do to kind of stay focused in on. Uh, Mentally, because it, that is the worst thing is going on a run or going and doing some type of cardio and the mental the mental creeps in of going, just stop. You don't need to do this. Why are you doing this? What are you doing this for? Just stop. Just walk. Stop. Turn around. Do whatever you need to do. Like, it always kind of creeps in, but your body can withstand a lot. It's the mind. So that's my constant battle, especially when it comes to running. Um, all right. So let's go into the next thing that I wanted to cover, which was Bryce Harper signing. So Bryce Harper signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. So last week I talked about how it was the Phillies and the Giants. Well, the Dodgers came in at the last second. They tried to put together another thing, but it was really down to the Phillies or the Giants. And at the end of it, he signed with the Phillies. A 13-year deal worth $330 million. So Harper got a longer deal than Machado. Machado, though, got a more lucrative annual deal so his his deal will pay him more so sorry Machado's deal will pay him more than Bryce Harper's deal will pay him but Bryce Harper got more years Bryce-er, 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 maybe that should be his nickname Bryce-er, Harper also got um, no opt-out so if Machado doesn't like San Diego after five years, he can opt out. Whereas Harper, he's married to the Phillies. I mean, 13 years, there's no opt out. He is he is there for 13 years, as well as a full no trade clause. While Machado has a limited um is Machado's deal is limited to a select number of teams. So Machado has an opt out. He has a more lucrative deal, and he has the potential of being traded if the Padres uh, need to free up space. Whereas the Phillies, they've married themselves to Bryce Harper. 13 years, no opt-out, no trade clause, unless Harper waives that. So um, very interesting for both sides, for Harper and for the Phillies. I think what it shows the baseball fan is that Harper wanted to find somewhere that he was going to basically end his career. And that's a very interesting concept to think about considering he's only 26 years old. But when this contract ends in 2031, he will be 38 years old. You know, and at that point in time in baseball, that is when, you know, everyone's swan song. That's the end of their career for the most part, if not sooner, uh, for those that are, are, you know, that have the longevity to do so. So I thought it was very interesting. I think it's it says it certainly shows a certain side of Harper as an individual is that he was looking for somewhere that he could stay for the remainder of his career rather than chasing money. Look, that's a lot of money, $330 million. So let's not pretend like he's not chasing money. But he wanted he wanted a statement deal, and he got it, but he wanted a statement deal for a team and an organization that he could stay with for a very long time, and that's what he did. Whereas Machado, 10 years, can opt out after five. Nolan Arenado from the Rockies, the same week that Machado signed, he signed for eight years and he can opt out after three. So that opt out clause always, you know, is is interesting. And, and the fact that Harper didn't have it in his um, 
just kind of showed you what uh, what he wanted. Another cool thing that I thought that I saw was yesterday they introduced him. Yesterday was March second. Um, today's March third. If you're listening, and not today or throughout the week or whenever, um, was how he did honor Roy Halladay, who unfortunately passed away in a in a plane crash. So Roy who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He got voted into the Hall of Fame this past year. Wore number 34 for the Phillies, and that's Harper's number, and that's what he's always worn, and he has decided to wear number three, and he came out and said, and I think this is very, uh, really nice of him as an individual, saying that um, Roy Halladay should be the last person to wear 34 for the Phillies, and so he didn't demand that he had to wear 34 because I know a lot of pros are very um, concerned about their number because of branding and marketing and, you know, whatever it is, and... Um, superstition anything like that but he's gonna wear number three and really nice for him to say you know honoring the late roy halliday so um congratulations to bryce harper for a uh a heck of a contract um we'll see how they all pan out we'll see how his and machado's pan out i think machado overall is a more consistent player so i think the padres are going to get more consistency out of him than they would than the phillies might get out of harper but at the same time, I think the Phillies are set up more for success today and for the immediate future than the Padres. I think the Padres are still a project because even after they signed Machado, Vegas never, didn't really change their odds for them to win many more games. I think it was like two or three more games for them to win. I think they went from like they were going to win 66 games to now like 68 or 69 games for this year. Whereas the Phillies, who won 80 games last year, you had. Harper to it, and you add the catcher from the Marlins, uh, Real Muto, and others that they signed, the Phillies have gotten themselves a lot better to where they can be a contender for the NL East with the Nationals and the Braves, and the Mets made a lot of moves to um, you know, the Marlins. They're going to have a baseball team. I don't know um, how good they're going to be. They're going to have a baseball team, though. Uh, <laughs> so the NL East is shaping up to be a pretty good um division there so it'll be very interesting to see how that all works itself out and uh, where the Phillies land but um, good to see that that's kind of over with again I talked about the impacts that it potentially could have on baseball as the worry is that that a a strike could be looming over the next couple years because of just how the owners have kind of tightened their uh, their wallets and their spending and free agencies going into you know spring training like I would have loved for Machado and and Harper to have already had signed with their teams before spring training happened. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But now they do get a full month with their team in their respected areas. Phillies down in Florida, Padres in Arizona. So they will get that that amount of time to spend with their team and, and build those relationships and whatnot. So um, overall, good for baseball that those two signed. And um, good for those two guys. All right. So let's go into... The next thing. So we're going to switch gears again. So we've gone from running to baseball now into football. So this past week, Jason Witten, former tight end, now current tight end of the Dallas Cowboys, had left the Monday night football booth for ESPN, and he is rejoining the Cowboys, um, coming out of retirement. And so that sparked my interest to see, well, let's talk about some of the other players that have come out of retirement in the NFL, the National Football League, and the impact that they've had and the name and some of the names that, that are out there. So I just went and looked, and I have on here 
players that have come out of retirement. So Jason Witten ended his retirement. After less than a year in retirement, he will rejoin the Dallas Cowboys. So let's take a look at some of the other guys that have come out of retirement. First one on the list, Marshawn Lynch. In 2015, Seattle Seahawks running back Marshawn Lynch announced his retirement. And then in 2017, he rejoined, or he rejoined, he rejoined the NFL, came out of retirement, and joined his hometown Oakland Raiders. Randy Moss. See, I forgot that Randy Moss had retired. So after playing 13 years in the NFL, Randy Moss retired in 2010. And in 2012, he came back and joined the San Francisco 49ers. I had completely forgotten about that. So right there, right off the bat, those are two big names. Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, Randy Moss, Hall of Fame wide receiver. And then we have, (laughs) we got Brett Favre on here twice. So Brett Favre retired, came back, retired, came back. So Brett Favre retired in 2007. After 17 years in the NFL, he retired from the Green Bay Packers. He came out of retirement in 2008 and signed with the Jets. Then in 2008, he retired once again after only playing one season with the Jets. He came back out of retirement the following year and signed with the Minnesota Vikings. So Brett Favre, obviously, and and uh, you know, if you you witnessed it when he just had a problem with actually fully retiring, he finally did. He retired after playing for the Vikings. So Brett Favre. Two retirements. Ricky Williams, five seasons in the NFL. He retired with the Dolphins in 2003, and then he came back in 2005 and returned to the Dolphins. So another big-name, big-name college player. Ricky Williams had a decent NFL career, uh, but he was more so known for his career at the University of Texas. Deion Sanders, in 2000, Washington Redskins quarterback Deion Sanders retired. He came out of retirement in 2004 and joined the Baltimore Ravens. And then finally, uh, rest in peace, Reggie White. In 1998, Green Bay Packers defensive end Reggie White retired. He came out of retirement in 2000 and joined the my hometown, the Carolina Panthers. So um, some notable guys that have come out of retirement and still played decent for uh, when they came back. Um, so we'll see how Jason Witten does. I don't think he's going to be the main focus of that offense. I certainly, you can't imagine he's going to be with the weapons that they do have with, um, now I can't even think of who it is. Of course, I was going to go into this whole thing about the Cowboys and who they have, but Dak, you got uh, Ezekiel Elliott and then, uh, Oh, God, the receiver that they traded for from the Raiders, the kid that played at uh, Alabama. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not going to look it up. I could care less. I'm not a Cowboy fan. But he won't be the central figure like he was when he played with Romo. He's going to be somebody more uh, more so down the line of a, of a tight end that's going to be kind of going out, turn around, throw the ball to him. He's not going to be somebody that's really going to uh, – make a lot of I I think be the focus around the offense there's no way he can be what will be interesting though is that who will replace him in the Monday night football booth so my concern as a Carolina Panther fan is that Greg Olson will be somebody that could potentially retire and join there because he did um he was one of the candidates to joined the booth last year and decided he wasn't selected and he decided to stay in the NFL. And and unfortunately he was hurt most of this year. Um, But could he be somebody that they would replace Jason Witten with? I don't know. Should be interesting to see. 
So there you go. Reggie White, Deion Sanders, Ricky Williams, Brett Favre, Randy Moss, Marshawn Lynch. That's a good good group of guys to to be with, hopefully for Jason Witten, uh, for himself, that he uh, is able to make an impact. So now we're going to go into minor league hockey. So last night, uh, my mother-in-law was in and father-in-law are in town, and it was my mother-in-law's birthday. So they're big hockey fans. They're lightning fans because they live down in Tampa. Uh, but they're here in town because they have a house here as well. And we went to the local hockey team, the Charlotte Checkers. They're an affiliate for the Carolina Hurricanes. So if you're a baseball fan, the best way that I always describe it is they play in the AHL, which is like the AAA of hockey. So um, they are just one down from the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's a very competitive um, league and, and hockey, and it's fast and it's exciting, and they play in this arena in in Charlotte here that seats about 10,000 fans, so it's very intimate. And it's just it's a cool minor league setup, and and I don't go to enough games. I used to go to quite a bit. My wife used to work for them when we first graduated college, so we I would go all the time. Me and my buddy Matt and some my buddy Pete and others would go to the games all the time because we would get tickets, and it was something to do on the weekends and the weekdays. Uh, you know anytime that we wanted to go and watch a game. So we went last night and the, they ended up winning eight to one, which was, which is crazy to think because in hockey still, I mean, eight to one, and that's an absolute ass kicking. And that's what that team got. It was the New Jersey devils affiliate, uh, Binghamton devils. So eight, one, it was a good time. Harrison, my youngest, wasn't a big fan of how loud it was. All he wanted to do was, I want to hug the bear. I want to hug the bear. Uh, the, the, Checkers is a, um, their mascot is Chubby the Checker, and he's a big white bear, and that's all Harrison wanted to do. So we finally, he finally came around to our section. Harrison, I put him down. I was like, oh, you want to hug him? No, no, I don't want to hug him. Pick me up. He did give him a high five, though, so at least he got that from him. Um, but it was fun. So it, it got me thinking about Charlotte as a whole and who we are as a sports town. And because we are a smaller market uh, city in terms of professional sports, in the in the thought of the size city that we are, and and you know players that would come and play here, and and versus other cities, anything like that, we're considered a smaller market city. Um, but I was thinking about it today, Charlotte as a whole, and I don't think we do a really good job as a city. And as a fan base, and I'm guilty of this as well, so I mean, I'm not going to point any fingers by any means, but I don't think we do a very good job of flaunting the fact that I truly believe we are a very strong sports city. And I say that because we have three professional teams. And then we have also, what do we have? We have... Hockey, soccer, I thought there was another one. Oh, baseball. We have three professional teams at the highest level, and then we have three minor league teams. We have six sports here in Charlotte that um, are overall professional teams, but three of them are minor league teams. So we have the most popular is your Carolina Panthers. So we have an NFL franchise. We have the Charlotte Hornets. We have an NBA franchise. 
we have the Charlotte Hounds, which is your Major League Lacrosse franchise. So those three right there are three at the highest level sports teams that all play in different times of the year. So again, they're not competing for fans. Then from a minor league perspective, we have the Charlotte Knights, which is the AAA affiliate for the Charlotte for the Charlotte White Sox, for the Chicago White Sox. So you have very competitive baseball. That stadium is in downtown. Carolina Panther Stadium is in downtown. And the Charlotte Hornets Stadium is in downtown. The um, the Hounds, they play Memorial Stadium, which is right outside of downtown. You have the Charlotte Checkers, which is the affiliate for the Carolina Hurricanes. They play in an arena right outside of downtown. And then you have the Charlotte Independence, which is a soccer team, and they play in a, uh, com- a sports complex down in Matthews, which is about 15 minutes south of downtown, 20 minutes south of downtown. Um, so right there, you have six professional sports in the city, and I don't think that we do a very good job of uh, flaunting that. As a city, as people that live here, as sports fans, I think we just... We kind of stick to, you know, well, yeah, we have the Panthers. Oh, yeah, we have the Hornets. We don't really ever kind of throw out there all of these other sports that we do have in this city. And I think that's a shame. Hopefully that that changes. Um, But if you don't know Charlotte and you've never been to Charlotte or you're thinking about coming to Charlotte and you're a sports fan, there's plenty of sports. uh, There's plenty to do. It's a growing city. There's a lot of opportunity. So it's a great city to be a part of, and, and I'm... I'm excited for the future of the city as I, I have been. I've lived here now for 20 years, um, going on 20 years in towards the, the end of this year will be 20 years. So 19 and a half years and, uh, just the growth that I've seen in the city. And then also again, from a sports town, I think we have a great opportunity to continue to be a, a really good sports town. And we just need to, uh, continue to, you know, puff our chest out a little bit and talk about that. This city is a sports town. We are a sports town. I'm I'm planting my flag in there right now. We are a sports town. All right. I'm going to go through just quickly some college basketball scores, and then I'm going to finish up with this article that I read about Orange Theory, um, which I thought was interesting and, and just kind of changes some things up. We've been talking a lot about sports. did talk about fitness in the beginning, but we'll end with some fitness as well. So fitness, running, sports in the middle, fitness again. All right. Um, yesterday, five, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five top twenty-five teams lost. Now, one of the—I'm not going to call it an upset—but one of the games uh, was again was two top twenty-five teams. So it's not really an upset, and that's the first one I'm going to start with. But Tennessee whooped up on Kentucky, so they did a home and away this year, and it was like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. Kentucky absolutely blew Tennessee out of the water. And at that point, Kentucky was ranked fifth and Tennessee was ranked first. This time it was a flip-flop of rankings. Um, Kentucky four, Tennessee seven, and Tennessee just ran Kentucky out of the gym. I watched uh, the majority of the game because it was on before the Duke game. And uh, Tennessee just controlled that game. So uh, Tennessee beating Kentucky. Game day was at Houston. So going into the game, Houston was 27-1, and ranked 8th in the country, and they were playing University of Central Florida. Well, University of Central Florida beat them. So that's an upset. 
Utah State and Nevada. So Nevada was ranked 12th, and the winner of this was going to win the Mountain West. And Utah State, unranked, beat Nevada. Now they did; they were at home, and they're obviously a good team if they was if it was that the winner was going to win the regular season Mountain West. So it's not like Utah State is a pushover, but still, Nevada preseason was ranked like 6th in the country, and now they're ranked 12th. They lose to Utah State. Indiana, for the second time this year, so Indiana is 15-14, and 14, and two of their 15 wins are against Michigan State, and Michigan State I think has only five or six losses. So of Michigan State's five or six losses, Two of them have come against Indiana. And then Rutgers, a team of 14-14, beat Iowa, who's ranked 22nd in the country. So um, top 25 teams, five of them lost yesterday. Very interesting. You don't, That's rare. Um, I'd say it, maybe this late in the season would be a little – teams are a little worn down. You're kind of just – cruising into the conference championship or conference tournaments might be not that rare, but still five, five teams in the top 25 lost yesterday. So thought that was pretty interesting. just wanted to go through that. All right. So let's go into this, uh, orange theory article that I saw, um, which I thought was interesting because I don't really know too much about orange theory. So I read a little bit about it and, um, I do know the concept of it. And if you don't know the concept of it, um, we're going to go through it. So Orange theory, and again, it goes back to what I was talking about, like tracking and and monitoring everything and how we're, uh, you know, now in fitness, it's it's very popular. Excuse me. Um, You know, wearable technology is what they would call it. So Orange Theory Fitness has over 1,100 studios across the globe, and it currently has 500 more branches in the development pipeline. So they are currently going to add potentially 500 as of today. Could be more. The company recently reached 1 billion in system-wide sales for 2018 and they are claiming to be one of the fastest growing fitness franchise branches on the planet. Orange Theory offers heart rate-based workouts combining technology and science with community and accessibility for all. And so this is how it, it kind of, um, this is how the whole thing goes. The article talks about Orange Theory. Orange Theory currently has more than 800,000 members with over 1,100 studios in 49 U.S. states and 22 countries. And again, I said there's another 500 studios in the pipeline. Um, If you want to know about pricing, I have that here as well. Uh, Pricing varies depending on location, but a monthly premier membership, which means unlimited classes, costs around $129 to $290 in the U.S. And then um, it's, again, they're all, it's supposedly science, supposedly, no, it is. Say it's science backed. So Ellen Latham is the creator and co-founder of it, and she's she has told this this group, this article is out of from Business Insider. It says we are a science-backed workout that produces results. That is why people come to a fitness product for guaranteed results. Our technology allows our members in real time to see how their body is responding. What you do not measure, you cannot achieve. So that's an interesting concept to think about, right? So what you do not measure, you cannot achieve. So their theory, Orange Theory's theory, is the fact that 
their technology allows their members to see in real time how their body is responding. So they're measuring what their body is doing in that moment. And in and because of that, they are able to then help provide and achieve goals. So it further goes into like, how does this work? Um, before you enter the studio, the fitness studio, you strap a heart rate monitor around your arm, which is linked to your personal profile. And then there are three big screens in the studio displaying each person's stats. And your stats are your heart rate, calories burned, um, and splat points. So splat points are how many minutes your heart rate has been in the red or orange zones. And then heart rate zones are divided into gray, which is rest, blue, green, orange, and red. And it's the orange zone you're aiming for, hence the name, Orange Theory. <clears throat> In an Orange Theory workout, each person is meant to try and achieve 12 to 20 minutes with their heart rate in the orange zone. So over 84% uh, in the orange zone. And the reason for this is all about what they say is EPOC, E-P-O-C, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. The afterburn is what they're saying it, it is. Um, as your body recovers post-workout, your metabolism stays raised and you continue to burn more calories afterwards if you hit that all-important orange zone. It's not too hard to do. Uh, and this person who wrote the article says, I manage more than 20 splat points each of the five times I visited Orange Theory. So there you go. Um, their workouts are 60-minute group training hit sessions with time split between treadmills, which is gonna, what's going to raise your heart rate, rowing, machi rowing machines, your non-impact full body workout, and floor work with weights, your muscle building. The founders call the workouts a multivitamin of metabolic training, and they've been designed with fat burning in mind. So if you're somebody that wants to go and your goal is to burn fat, there's plenty of options out there, right? You have the burn boot camps. You, I'm sure you, you have your CrossFits. You have your just regular gyms that you can do classes at. And you have a company like this, Orange Theory, which has been around since 2010. So they're not new by any means. They've just, they're just growing at an impressive rate right now. Um, and they are they are fully designed around fat burning. So it's not, you know, you can go into the gym and say, okay, I want to build muscle um, or I want to um, do 60 minutes of cardio. That's all I want to do. And, and, or I want to get my heart rate around 140 and keep it there at that. So you can do that. But this this company and this this gym or studio is designed to kind of plan that all out for you based on what wearable technology you're going to have on your heart rate monitor and, and then you know putting it up on a screen for you to see so a lot of people are visual and they need to see that in order to motivate themselves so i think it's a really cool um concept by any means uh let's see let me scroll through this real quick if there's anything else about it but um oh here we go this is what i wanted to talk about too towards the end here it says it taps into our obsession with tracking so i mentioned it earlier about how i'm running and mentally you know i'm waiting for my wrist to vibrate because that's what my watch does my garmin activate um activate three i think that's the name of it it's, it's a garmin watch i'm waiting for it to vibrate to tell me when that one mile that two mile that three mile 
And then what I'm doing once I'm done with that run is I'm syncing it onto my Garmin app and my Strava app. So then it goes on there. So then (laughs) if you follow me on Instagram, then I'm then putting it on my stories or my posts to talk and try and motivate some of you all that might follow me there um, to show the progress. So again, that obsession of tracking, it's there. Um, And I think it's important. I don't think it's a bad thing that we have this obsession of tracking our workouts. I think it's a good thing that we have that obsession because again, it goes back to what I just read in this article earlier about you're achieve, you're able to then achieve something, right? So if you can, if you're tracking it, then you know you can see where you were at. So like, I ran the last time. Oh man, I did it in seven thirty a mile, and then this past run, and I just did the same distance. I I did it in seven forty five. Oh man, all right. Well, I got to try and work back towards that seven thirty. What did I do different? Was I in a better mood? Well, you know, was it just better weather? Was it? Did I have a certain workout the day before that messed with my muscles? Whatever it might be, right? So, all right, so here we go, back in the article. Taps into our obsession with tracking. Orange Theory has tapped into our current obsession with tracking. From our sleep to what we eat, we can't get enough of self-monitoring. Not only are you able to access your stats during an Orange Theory workout, but a detailed report will be emailed to you afterwards. So again, like I just mentioned with my Garmin, is I go on, sync it with my Garmin app, and, my, and, and then my Garmin app automatically syncs it with my Strava app. So again... And then it tells me, okay, hey, it's done. Your stats are now able to be looked at. So it takes what was on my watch, puts it together in a more comprehensive look that I can see, um, which is interesting. And and what they're doing, but in an email form. And then it says it's not all about competing with others. And the sense of community considering the scale of the organization is impressive. In fact, Latham, again, the co-founder, believes Orange Theory's accessibility has been the key to the company's growth. Any person, no matter what their fitness ability level um, is, can succeed. Unlike many fitness studios, Orange Theory isn't intimidating and all levels are catered for. For example, treadmill levels are divided into walker, jogger, and runner. And if you can't run at all, you have the option of going on a cross-training or exercise bike instead. The trainers will push you, but they're encouraging too, regularly using people's names during workout. Everyone leaves the studio with a high five. So it's creating this community and and trying to take that stigma out of going to the gym and being intimidated or feeling awkward or pushing yourself into a corner and then you kind of just eventually fade away and not go back to the gym. Um, You know, I I do know that's what CrossFit does a lot too is trying to create a community and and so these gyms as well are are doing the same thing and trying to um, block out that that mindset of what people are so worried about at a normal gym of, you know, you're getting looked at, you're not comfortable there, whatever it might be. Um, it says technology and community aside, for some, the appeal of orange theory is simply that they know they're going to get a full body workout and not have to think. So again, I I, I talked about it a little earlier. It is this concept of everything is kind of planned for you already. So it, it already has all these things put together for you. You got your, your hit, your muscle building and your strength work, um, already there. You don't have to come up with it yourself or try and create something. This is done for you. So again, positive for those that, that don't really want to have that, um, that responsibility of building out their own workout. Uh, let's see. 
says, despite classes of up to 30 people, it's a very personalized workout thanks to heart rate monitors that allow you to track your progress throughout, meaning you know when you're not training where you need to be, which will be different from person to person, which is good, right? Because everybody's different. So your heart rate monitor is going to basically be your accountability monitor because it's up there on the board and you're seeing how hard you truly are working and it doesn't matter how hard Steve is working next to you or Susie's working next to you. It's based on you as the individual um, and, and what you're trying to accomplish, which is good. Uh, so, yeah, overall, I don't know too much about Orange Theory. I do know some people that have gone there, but I thought it was a very interesting article. And it um, something I wanted to address just around the fitness area and give my, my thoughts on it and everything. So that's all I have today. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and rate the episode. You can give it one to five stars. Uh, always five is appreciated. And again, if you rate it, it obviously helps with it getting out to more people. If you're listening, share it on Instagram. Let me know you're listening. Uh, put it on your stories. Tag me. Put it in your post. Tag me. Tell you tell people how much you like or dislike <laughs> this podcast. If you dislike it, I would wonder why you've actually listened to it and taken the time to post about it. But if you do, that's fine too. I mean, you know, I can't please everybody. I'm not really trying to. Um, but yeah, as always, I appreciate the support. I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, we will talk soon. Goodbye.